In English, we have a, a saying that every person on earth is tuned into one radio station. It's radio station W-I-I-F-M, which in English stands for What's In It For Me. That's the starting point. So the starting point is, is meeting and seeking to meet felt needs. Now, what programs could you offer in your church that would connect with people where they are? One of those could be a sports program. We found that in the community where we were, that people were very interested in sports activity because the people were becoming in their 30s and starting to feel the effects of age. And as you know, in the States, that we like to play softball. But we offered softball teams in our church. But to have a church-sponsored baseball team, you had to have 40% non-Christians on your team. And so that's what it took to organize a team. What was the commitment we were asking of these non-Christians to come to be a part of the baseball team? We were asking them to come and enjoy themselves. That's all. Come, play baseball, have a good time. And they would make friends with the 60% on the team that were Christians. And that prepared many of them to be willing to take the next step toward thinking more about Christ. What's another example? How about a seminar? There's a seminar in the United States that we could offer called Positive Parenting. And this seminar focuses on how to raise your kids more effectively. And it answers the questions that parents are asking. It's not a seminar that throws a lot of Bible verses at them, although it comes from a Christian perspective. It's designed so that any non-Christian could feel very helped by the information that's given there and would understand everything that's going on. The purpose of that seminar is not evangelism, it is pre-evangelism. Because you realize that many non-Christians consider the church to be irrelevant. So one of the purposes of connecting with not-yet-Christians is to help them realize that the church actually has some useful answers to real questions that they're asking. And in that process, they build relationships with authentic Christians. That's what we would call an example of a felt-need seminar. What's another example of a pre-evangelism activity? Let's hear one from the audience. Come and learn something that's helpful. Come and make some friends. You're not saying to them in advertising the computer course, come and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and be baptized and join the church. See, the program that you're offering, you need to advertise it and match the level of commitment to what the people need to be at that point. Now, let's take a look at the evangelizing stage. What could you do there? Well, you might have an event that would like even bridge between the pre-evangelism and the evangelism. For instance, if you're doing the seminar on positive parenting, you might follow it up with a seminar series that deals with a next logical step. By the way, these seminars work best when they are like once a week for like four or five weeks in a row, not just a one-day thing that people come to. That way, there's, that way there's time for a relationship to develop. A logical follow-up to a parenting seminar might be something like how to manage, we could call that a bridging seminar because it bridges from the pre-evangelism toward the evangelism, but not quite at the evangelism stage yet. Now, if you're going to really manage your time and your priorities well, that means you need to have some sort of a framework or a philosophy that helps to govern your life. 
And that means taking care of the physical, the emotional, the social, and the spiritual. And that's why it's called a bridging seminar, because it begins to introduce the spiritual dynamic. And so it begins to help them take a step toward the spiritual. But you'll notice the way you're advertising that is still at the point of their felt need. Now, you might then, at the end of that time and priority management seminar, to, to tell the people that there's now a seminar that you can take that's four weeks on how to make Christianity real in your life. That's what we would call a response seminar. Because you are, you are advertising what it's about. It's to explore Christianity and how to make it really happen in your life so it makes a difference. It's very important if you're offering a series of four or five week seminars that you, you match it appropriately to where the people are. Because when you offer a seminar like how to make Christianity real, what's the level of commitment you're asking of the people? It's come and consider. Come and consider what difference Jesus might make in your life. That's a whole different level of commitment than come and enjoy. But be before a person is ready for the come and consider stage, there has to be a level of trust that's been established. There needs to be a, a level of, of thinking that says these people have something that is useful to me. And so now I'm willing to consider the next steps. Isn't that the way it normally works when somebody does come to Christ? Now, a seminar is not the only way to do that. What's another thing you could do at the evangelism level that would help people make a commitment to Christ? Now, see, most churches that take the Bible seriously have different ways they can do this step. What they often miss is having enough contacts up in the pre-evangelism stage that has a flow of people that can then move into the next stage. The, the next stage is that of assimilation or helping people to become a part of the church. Because as you know, it's not enough just to help somebody come to know Christ. We want them to come to know Christ and to become an active part of the fellowship of believers, the community of believers. Because as I understand my Bible, a person cannot be a fully devoted follower unless they are a part of the community of followers. And so what programs could you offer there? You might have a newcomer's class, or it could be your worship service. It could be any number of things. Then the next stage is that of growth and service. In the growth and service stage, that might be they're in a small group or a cell group, and That's they correct. have a ministry. Then the leadership stage, you might have a leaders meeting. And a church that's healthy and fully doing what God wants will also be concerned about raising up other churches. And so they'll be raising up leaders to send out. Now, here's the important part of this process. What you want to do is identify the programs in your church. Then locate the program or the ministry in the appropriate category according to its primary purpose. Now, if you do that, you will begin to realize where are you have the most programming and where you have gaps. Now, sometimes I do this with church leaders, and here's what it looks like. Und dann sieht das so aus. It would be growth, right? Okay, if they have a midweek service, what's the primary purpose of the midweek service? Growth, right? They have a Sunday school for the children. What's the primary purpose of that? What else do they have? Pattern developing. And then you wonder why the church is not being effective. 
because all of the energy is focused on the believer and there's nothing up here that's starting to connect with people. Sometimes new churches have lots of stuff that's up here and they have stuff that's down here, but they have nothing that helps people connect between the two. You see, the important thing is that you have programming at every level and that the programming matches the level of commitment that you're asking of the people. And very important that you have connections so that people can make the connections to the next level. It's not enough just to offer a bunch of stuff, but you have to help people to be able to know what is the pathway to take to help people to move to the next level if they're willing to do so. So this allows you to have a flow of people who are not yet Christians to be able to find Christ and move toward becoming a fully devoted follower. Now you'll notice that these, these tri this thing was built like an inverted pyramid. Why do you suppose I drew it that way? Yeah, what it's saying is that where should in a healthy church the most number of people be? In a healthy church, the most number of people are actually in the pre-evangelism stage. That you have more people you're building relationships with than you even have coming to your worship service. On the other hand, you'll have fewer leaders compared to the whole. What I'd like to do is give you a few minutes to reflect upon that for your own church. Because if you, if you have a clear set of paths and you can draw a clear picture of how this happens, then the people in your church will be able to know how to help people along the path toward becoming a fully devoted follower. If you can't draw that clear picture, then maybe you don't yet have a clear understanding of what it is God wants you to do yet. Or you may discover you have some gaps where you don't have any connections, and that might be a blockage as to why you're not growing. You can see that this idea will help a new church in its formulation of a plan, as well as help an established church think through how are we doing in this process. And there's two, there's two, uh, two dimensions of, of how to make sure your motives stay pure in this. First, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat this later on at another part of the seminar, but let me say it now because it's time. First, you ask the question, what do you like to do? So do something you like to do and do it with people that are not yet Christians. So if you like to play football, then play football, but make sure you don't just do it with Christian friends. Do it with people that are not yet Christians. And so your primary reason for being there is because you like to play football. Your secondary reason is to build relationships. The second thing, and to do it as an expression of your love that you have for them. So when you're teaching German as a second language, your primary purpose is to teach them German as a second language. And you are successful if you've taught them well and with integrity and show them respect in the process of doing that. The motivation for that is to do it out of the love of Christ for them. A secondary purpose is to build relationships to help them move toward Christ if that's their desire. But as long as the primary purpose is something that is, is, is other than trying to win them to Christ, and your motivation is pure, then you can maintain integrity through the process. But that's a very important question to, to raise. Because people can sense when you're doing it for an ulterior motive. I mean, they're smart. And so therefore, we have to do it because we want to be doing it. And we have to do it because we really want to be serving them. In, in, in those of you, how many are familiar with management? This would be called like a flow chart, wouldn't it? And so this could be called a ministry 
flow charts. And so if you're looking for a technical term for it, that's the technical. If you don't like that, then forget I just ever said that.